Last day of winter, they say, huh? We'll see. Hey, before we get into uh, tonight's message, uh, I want to give you an update uh, from Pastor Brian regarding the Next Generosity Initiative series that we began back in January. I promise, these are Pastor Brian's words, I promise. Um, so he, he says, as you know, we were casting vision for the next two years of ministry and asking the Lord to, to show each of us the next step in our ge- generosity journey. And as you remember, on that final Sunday in January, uh, we invited you to express your giving intention for the next two years, uh, both to our core ministry and missions fund, and also to our GoFund that would allow us to launch Foxborough, um, expand the Wilmington campus, and make other needed investments throughout our campuses. And so far, we're grateful that we've received over 850 intention cards, and we've heard from some folks that are still considering their intentions. The good news is that based on the intentions that we have received so far and current giving patterns, we can expect to receive over $9 million a year for the next two years to support the core ministries and missions partnerships. We anticipate needing a little bit more, uh, but that is a great encouragement to our ministry teams and again to our missions partners uh, because it means that they can serve and lead with confidence knowing that the funds will be there. Establishing a solid base of giving is foundational to our church's future So we thank you for your commitments. The not as good news is that so far, uh, we've received intentions of just over $1 million in the GO gifts uh, to invest in our campus development. Uh, That's considerably less than what we were hoping for. uh, So we'll need to adjust uh, for some of our plans. Uh, We feel we have sufficient funding uh, to go forward with the launch of the Foxborough campus Uh, Your intentions enable us to bring Pastor Tom uh, Boyclair to the team. Uh, Many of you uh, saw him last week being introduced. And he has already met this week with over 100 potential core uh, group members. So we're really excited about that. Uh, We're still committed to expanding the Wilmington campus in order to serve and reach that community. So we'll be setting aside some of those go intentions for the purpose as they come in. We feel, however, that we don't have enough to responsibly begin the construction phase but we've already done some good planning and can move ahead quickly to the next phase as soon as sufficient funding comes in. So in the meantime, along with Pastor Tom, the Pastor Tom Van Antwerp of Wilmington, Pastor Tom, there's three of them now, (laughs) and the Wilmington team, uh, they will continue to to find ways uh, to create capacity and continue to grow that Wilmington congregation. In fact, this Easter, the Wilmington congregation will be holding Easter services at the Reading Memorial High School, since there just isn't enough room on the present campus. So we thank you to those who have made intentions uh, towards that project, and you can be sure that we'll move ahead as soon as sufficient funding becomes available. The best news, really, is the growth that we are seeing in, in our generosity of the congregation. As we said, over 850 households have, have made thoughtful intentions for the next two years. Some have begun giving uh, for the first time in their giving journey. Uh, Overall, we are anticipating a 20% increase in giving over the next two years. That's just not an increase in giving. That's just not a growth in giving. That's also growth in faith, in commitment, and also in joy. So we truly do have much to be thankful for and much to be hopeful about as well. Of course, it's not too late uh, to turn in your intention card if you haven't already. Uh, We're praying for a thousand cards. So every card is an encouragement and a big help towards that. And please know that 
uh, the elders and, and I, as in Pastor Brian, and also Pastor Dave, our Lexington pastor, and myself here at night, uh, we would be honored and grateful to have further conversations uh, with, with any of you uh, about, about any of these things. So thank you to all of you who have thoughtfully and prayerfully engaged in this process and for your readiness to go uh, as we bring God's good news to the people of greater Boston. Uh, so that's the update from Pastor Brian. And, and I would just love for us just to spend a moment in prayer um, as, as we continue on. Lord, we, we do thank you for all that you are doing in the life of this church. We truly mean that. And we, we know, Lord, that, uh, that you, you have a timeline for us. Uh, so we yield to you, Lord. Father, we pray that you would work in our hearts and may you help us to just to be faithful as you have called us to. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would uh, meet our needs as well uh, as, as individuals, as families, and as a congregation. All throughout the Old Testament, we read that you are a God who provides. And we see that also in the New. So continue to show us, Lord, that your love and your nearness and your provision. So in Christ's name, we pray for these things. Amen. So the sermon uh, this evening is entitled, The Body of Christ May Need Your Appendix. Years ago, I was uh, at a pub enjoying uh, some burgers with, with an old friend of mine, and uh, we were reminiscing about life in our 20s. And he mentioned, you know, I, I almost died when I was 23. Uh, and, and if you knew my friend Aaron, you, you'd be thinking to yourself, you know, I bet there was a bunch of times where you nearly died, okay? He was just one of those guys, right? And he's like, no, 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 no. I mean, like this one time, like, I mean, I really, I mean, I, I almost died. Um, I, I was experiencing this terrible intestinal pain on the right side of my body. And I thought it was like something that I ate, um, but it wasn't. And it was just getting worse and worse. And I just, I was just sleeping. I was just in bed. I couldn't get up. And finally, my roommates, after like I was changing color, they decided to take me to the ER. And they told me that like I had this, you know, this, this ruptured appendix. Um, and that, and that was, I was in a lot of trouble and they needed to perform emergency surgery right then or I was not going to make it. Ah, the appendix. You have probably have heard a version of this story from, from one of your friends named Aaron. And there's probably some of you who have gone through something like that, right? Is there anyone here that doesn't have an appendix? Okay, there's a few. All right, brave souls, brave souls. Um, it's, I, I hope never to go through what Aaron and, and some of you have gone through. Uh, but I, I was researching all about the appendix this week since I was using it in the sermon. Um, and of course, researching, I mean, I was up on web, you know, MD and, and online. Um, you know, this, this is how you become, you know, educated on, on matters today. And um, there is virtually nothing that I could share with you that would be appropriate um, based on everything that I've learned, okay? Like, it, it would just be plain weird. Um, and... Um, you know, they tell us, though, that the appendix used to be more important than what we think it is for today. Um, you know, before, um, you know, it was perhaps thought it was part of our evolutionary ancestors, um, you know, one of the organs that helped us to, to process all the vegetation that, that, we were, that we were eating, you know, before we purchased our food at Whole Foods and, and Market Basket. Um, and some have speculated that perhaps uh, the appendix was the source of the body's good bacteria, which was tempting for me as, a, as, a, you know, as one who likes to use metaphors um, to say, hey, you're the salt of the earth, the light of the world, the good bacteria of the world. But you know, I do spend a lot of time listening to sermons as well. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to say to people that they are the good bacteria of the world. So the appendix, um, the, only, the only thing I could really show you tonight of my research is uh, these, these two comics. 
Um, sarcasm alert, in case anybody needs it. Uh, top left, you don't have to remove your appendix just because you don't know what we do. But if you don't, I will kill you if the earth strikes me. But I might help your immune system, maybe. I, I think that's really how the appendix works. And then there's like, you know, a sensitive side um, that, that, that I want us to see about the appendix. Um, this is for the non-essential group support, uh, non-essential organ support group. Hi, my name is Appendix, and sometimes I get swearing I could burst. <laughs> I just love that sign. You have a purpose, maybe. <laughs> That's about all I can share with you tonight from all my research. But back to my friend Aaron. As that night would continue and as, as we would enjoy our meals and such, uh, we would talk about our lives and about our respective ministry and church experiences. And we both came from these really wonderful ministry families. Uh, and it seemed to us that our parents had better experiences serving in the church than, than what we were experiencing on, on some level. So we were commiserating a little bit. Uh, we, we shared our pains and, and some of our joys, our hopes and our struggles as well. And then at some point in the night, he said something like this. He said, you know, I've committed my life to Christ. And I was serving in this ministry, but right now I'm really struggling to find my place. Sometimes I feel like the appendix of the, of the church. I don't know what I'm really here to do. And sometimes I'm, I, I feel that I'm being perceived as part of the problem. Oh, my friend Aaron. He had just been dismissed uh, ceremoniously from, from his, his uh, pastorate. Um, and we were catching up on, on, on and unpacking and, and processing out loud uh, what, what that felt like. And as much as I love the Lord and as much as I love the church, uh, an important aspect of my ministry is giving voice to the pain and difficulty that many of us find in the Christian journey, that many of us find in the church. And, and we strive to do that in, as, as all of our teachers and in all of our pulpits and all of our campuses. That said, another important aspect, and, and, and the aspect that I'm even more passionate about is to give hope to us, especially those of us who feel this, whether we feel frustrated or stalled or, or hurt or, or a bit jaded. We believe that through the suffering, through the cynicism, through the pain, the confusion, that God can be found and that he is near. And so tonight we wanna to focus on the serving aspect of this. Last week we heard a brilliant message on social justice and sharing the hope that we have with others. And it was fantastic. And if you missed it, I would love to encourage you to go up online and listen to it. This week we wanna see if we can find some clarity in how we serve others together in the name of God. Maybe you can relate to my friend Aaron. Maybe you also feel when it comes to church matters, a little bit like the appendix, I'm not exactly sure what I'm supposed to be doing. Why am I here? What am I really supposed to be doing? Well, to get us started, I want us to look at Paul's very familiar passage, uh, from the, uh, familiar words from the passage of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And it'll be up on the screen, but feel free to look at it on your phone or, or on, uh, in the Bible that you might have as well. But it starts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. And it says, just as a body, Though one has many parts, but all as many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. 
And there's a lot to unpack here, but the key point that I really want to focus on is every part of the body is needed. Every part of the body is needed. And when I say that, I, I hope that means, I hope that you realize that means you. Like, yes, I'm a part of this and that I am needed. I do spend a good bit of time uh, talking to people, uh, you know, offline and, uh, you know, sometimes in the hallways, but sometimes over coffee and, and, and in my office. And, and I feel like sometimes a really important message for us to communicate to you is that you really are needed. I feel like I spend a lot of time convincing people that they really are needed. And I, and I know because sometimes we have difficulty highlighting, uh, you know, all the different stories, including your story, uh, you know, from, from, from pulpits and, and, and other ways that, that, we, that we, we try to share stories. But you really are needed. And we're all different. Different personalities, different strengths, different experiences, different passions. We have different hopes and different aspirations and different things that we feel called to. But in the big picture, we are all united by the same baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this brings us unity. I love how Paul puts it. He says, we're, we were given the same spirit to drink. The Holy Spirit, I mean, coursing through our bodies, through our veins, nurturing us, uh, strengthening us, uniting us, empowering us. Also, I really don't want you to miss the metaphor that, that Paul is using about the body. I, I know preachers tend to use metaphors, you know, quite uh, liberally, you know, type of thing, right? I mean, like, you know, you're, you're like a band. You're like a, you know, like right now we compare everything to a basketball team, you know, because of March Madness, right? Like, like you, we could zoom in on just about any coach during any timeout and he'd be saying something like, all right, guys, you each have a role to play. You know, whether it's rebounding or guarding the paint or shooting the open three, you know, we're a team. We're going to win like a team, like, right? Like they all say this, right? Like th this is... Like, I, I've watched enough sports to know that that's exactly what, what you do as a coach, right? Uh, anyone here actually coach? Okay, am I, am I close? <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you. I, I, you know, one of you didn't even nod, but I'm saying you did anyway. Yes, amen, brother, thank you. <laughs> but I really want us to appreciate the body metaphor, okay? I mean, the Bible is inspired, and it is also infallible ancient literature, so you have this rabbi named Paul, a Jewish trained rabbi who believes in the resurrected body of Jesus. So when he's talking about the body, it is, it is kind of a big deal. And when Jewish Christ followers hear the word body, this is triggering you know, their context you know, from the Torah, especially the creation order in Genesis chapter one and two, because they know as soon as they hear the word body, ah, the body, we are created in the image of Christ, in the image of God, the body. And now as Christ followers, the Messiah's body resurrected, God raised Jesus to life and is now calling the church to a new and true humanity for the sake of the world. The body of believers are the, are the faithful ones living the life and message and mission of the Messiah. And so Paul is gonna be talking more about the body in three more chapters. So we're in chapter 12 right now. In, in chapter 15, is there that he's going to say what God has accomplished in the Messiah, it was achieved when Jesus was put to death in his flesh, in his corruptible mortal body that was capable of dying and actually did die. And then was brought to new life in the resurrection body with the dead flesh transformed by God's act of dramatic new creation. I mean, that is the 
theological version of the Easter story that, that we are heading down this Lent. So Paul uses this illustration as a body and it's a spiritual truth as well. We are the body that God has raised up for this world, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And this is why I'm making such a big deal about it because we are necessary, not just theologically, but, but also for the sake of the world, we, you are necessary. This was the plan. And again, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We all have a role to play. We're all needed. I know that got a little theological, but it's a, it's a very practical theology here. I like how N.T. Wright puts it when he talks about the church. He says this, the church is to be the place where together we learn how to be God's genuinely human beings, worshiping God and serving him by reflecting his image in the world. Oh, that's good stuff. Some of you might be thinking, great, I'm sold. Plug me in. I'm, I am ready to serve. Uh, you know, it sounds so wonderful the way you've described it in the last 10 minutes. You don't even have to go for the next 20 minutes. Just, just I'm, I'm ready to go right now. And, and, and God bless you. That, 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 that's great. But, but first, it would be good for us to just continue with Paul's words because we would like to avoid the inevitable dysfunction that comes with us playing different roles. Okay? There, there, there's, there's a tough side to this. And, and Paul's going to illustrate it for us. In verse, in verse 15, it says, Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we have to treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, we treat with, with special modesty. The second thing I want us to see is when the community doesn't function as the body, we become dysfunctional. When the community doesn't function as the body, we become dysfunctional. If you're really paying attention to what's going on in 1 Corinthians, you, you'd, you'd see that there's a lot of pain in the Corinthian church. It's like any other church. In, this, in, in the Corinthian church, there was, a, there was a problem specifically with jealousy and with quarreling. And it was a mess. And, and they were like a set of churches, by the way. And, and, and they're all experiencing some, some version of this. And, and they were looking at each other the same way that sometimes we look at each other. And, and they were saying like, well, well, what are you doing? And then they were comparing what they were doing versus what their neighbor was doing. And that comparison, that comparison piece becomes a problem. It's a problem in many of our communities. We compare our lives. We compare our righteousness. We, we, we compare the ways that we serve and the ways that we don't. As a pastor, I hear this from time to time from different angles. We compare and we find the inconsistencies we find the weak spots. Eventually, we find the closet where everything is hidden, right? Where all the, the ugliness is, where all that dysfunction is kept. I would love tonight to be as real and forthcoming as possible, 
Are you, are you, are you, are you tracking with me? Because I don't want to be the pastor that overshares. Are, are, are we tracking here? Are we on the same page a little bit? All right, that, that, that's enough of a license. I'm going to keep going with in the spirit then. I mean, haven't you had the, haven't you had the experience that, that, that I have had over, over the decades where, where you talk about either your church or a church that you used to be a part of? Uh, and, and, and you say things like, or, or, or people say this to you. I don't know what's going on over there, but people are upset. Things are getting out of hand. Things are crazy. And every, people are mad. People are leaving. And they're going over here instead. And, and, and this, place is, this place is great. Oh, and this place they do this. And this place they do that. They don't do what they're doing. And, and, and there's this whole thing. And, and I feel that I've been part of, uh, I, I've been on both sides of that. I, I feel like I've been part of the church that people are coming to because they're upset with the other church. And I've also feel that I've been part of the church that people are leaving because they're upset with my community or, or me. And sometimes it's the very same place that people are coming to and leaving. And like, it's like, you know, like this, like, you know, like this whole revolving door type of a thing that's happening, right? Um, and, and I know, because we've all been around the church a good while that hopefully you, you know, many of us can relate to that to some degree. And that's what was happening in the Corinthian church as well. And as you read Corinthians really closely, notice that he doesn't say, yeah, you guys are right. That, those places are really messed up. You guys need to start another place. No. In so many words, he's saying this can be fixed. This can work. You're a body relying on the strength of the Holy Spirit and bodies have to work together. And when bodies work together, bodies can heal. And bodies can thrive. The people in the Corinthian church, they're grumbling against each other. They're grumbling, who gets to be the mouth? Who gets to be the eyes? Who gets to be the hands? I'm not a key role player. Therefore, I must not be long. And Paul's saying in, in verse 22, no, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And they are the parts that we think that are less honorable those are the parts that we have to treat with a greater and more special honor. I want to convince you tonight that you really are needed in this community, regardless of the role that you play. Here at GC at night, here at Grace Chapel, we really, we need you, we value you, not just as a person taking up a seat, not just as somebody singing, not just as a giver, not just as an email list, you know, for our, for our an email as part of our distribution list. Like, like, no, the essence of you, we are grateful for you because great things happen through individuals and through people and through community for the sake of God. And maybe we don't say that enough, but we want, we want you to know that. We really do. You are needed in this community for the sake of this community and for the sake of the world. And we are sent out into the world to serve the people around us. And we cannot take that for granted. When we serve like this, we avoid the dysfunction that Paul is, is, is talking about. And again, we thrive and we glorify God. Let's continue on with verse 24. It says, while our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that his parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. The third piece that, that I want us to look at, that I want us to know is we need to find joy in our gifting 
and in the gifting of others. Finding joy in our gifting and in the gifting of others. There is a great need for, for taking inventory of our strengths and, our, and our, our spiritual gifts, our passions, and our experiences. And there's a lot going on in these verses, but, but they also echo the previous section that, that we've been covering, that there's a need to avoid division. There's a need to suffer with one another. There's a need to rejoice with one another. And there's, there's this need for us to be part of the body of Christ. And so when I, when I, when I read this, you know, this beautiful passage in 1 Corinthians, and I, I'm trying to figure out how to apply this, you know, I, I can't help but think that we as Christ followers, we need to be experts on self-awareness and we need to practice as much self-awareness as possible because we are the hands and we are the eyes, but you need to know you are a hand. You need to know that you are an eye or a brain or, or maybe one of the more hidden, you know, organ type, types of things. Maybe you're the heart. Maybe, maybe you're a, an intercessor. Maybe you're a mercy shower. Maybe you're one who practices hospitality. Uh, maybe you're a leader. And for some of us, we haven't, we, we, may, we may sort of know our spiritual gifting, but we haven't had a chance to practice that gifting. So we have like these raw gifts, but we're not really trained or experienced with it yet. And that's really key too. And I look at this passage and, and sometimes I, I, I do want to ask out loud, do, do we believe that God means this? Do we believe that God has put the body of believers together? And do we, be, do we really believe that we are a part of it? And I would, I would love for all of us to say yes, emphatically to that. Do we have equal concern for each other? Do we really rejoice in the, in the gifts of others? I hope so. While there's always a need for critique, while there's always a need for improvement, because everything is indeed broken and awaiting God's re full redemption, today's church would do very well to limit the inner strife and find ways to work together in harmony in ways that serve the community and ways that serve the world. Some of you may be thinking, hey, I'm tracking with you. I really am. But I, as wonderful as this is, I still feel like the appendix. I, I, I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. That's, that's, that's normal. That's, that's common. And I think we feel that in different ways, in different seasons of life, me included. And I want to tell you a little bit of a long story here. I've mentioned in other places that uh, one of the joys of my life was serving as a youth pastor for 11 years and I, I was uh, served in two different churches and, and I led uh, mission trips um, in, in various places. Uh, we call them cross-learning, cross-cultural learning experiences here, CCLEs. And, and I've always taken them very seriously. I mean, sometimes, as you know, like the, the trip is only a week long, right? But it takes months and months and months to prepare for that trip. And there's all this goodness that happens after the trip. So it really is like one of the markings of your year uh, to go on a trip like that. And one year I was, uh, I, was, I was serving in the church in New Jersey and one year I went to a, one of these large youth pastor gatherings uh, in the beautiful city of Pittsburgh. Um, and it took place in the Pittsburgh Convention Center. And, um, you know, one of the perks of church ministry work is that you get to, you know, convince all your fellow youth worker friends in North Jersey to, to join you in the church van and drive from Jersey to beautiful Pittsburgh in March. That's us living large right there. 
And, um, and, and at, these, at these conventions, you know, like, you know, there's all these wonderful speakers and there's like these amazing musicians and bands and all, all this really cool stuff. And there's also just like with any, any conference, like this, this area of like, you know, where all the vendors, you know, kind of are like in, in one place. And they're telling you about the curriculum and they're telling you about new books and new music and, and new this and new that. And, and there's also like all these mission trip opportunities as well. And, and I was also keeping my eyes out for a mission trip because similar to conversations that we've been having here, uh, we wanted to reduce our participation in that idea of poverty tourism. And we wanted to find legitimate ways to serve and move out of our comfort zones and receive what, what God was trying to show us. So I was making my ways, you know, through, the, through, through, through these vendors and I had, uh, you know, picked up all these different brochures of mission trips and, and there's like these organizations that like, you know, are just massive and like they, they, they've been doing missions for like 40 years. I had all those brochures and I was walking out of, of the one aisle in particular and was, there was like this new missions, barely organization. I mean, they were like a startup uh, and, and they, were, they were lean. Um, their, their mission trips were very affordable. And I was talking to the guy there, his name was Nick. And Nick was telling me about this mission trip that, they're, that they are just starting this summer to the Bahamas. And I was like, oh, the Bahamas, yeah. You know, I, I, I serve in one of those really kind of cynical types of places in North Jersey. Like as soon as they see the word Bahamas, they're just gonna be like, oh, now Tim Galley wants to go to the Bahamas. And he's gonna disguise his vacation as a mission trip. I, I, I can just hear it now. And he just kept, kind of kept talking as I was thinking. Um, and he's like, he's like, one of the things that we're doing there is there's this camp uh, that, that has people who are infected with HIV and AIDS. And we are trying to rebuild this camp. In fact, the camp is called the All Saints AIDS Camp. And I can, I can already hear this now. Like, this is not going to fly with, my par- with the families of my church either. Um, they want us to go to a Christian camp, like a really nice camp in, you know, in, in, in New York or, or New England. They don't want us to go to the AIDS camp, right? Um, so that, that's, what else do you got? And he kind of told me about the other, the other trips that they had. Um, but he's followed that all, all that up by saying, but our biggest need is the AIDS camp. I took that brochure, and as I was driving back with my youth pastor friends from, from, from beautiful Pittsburgh, back to beautiful North Jersey, um, I, I told them this, and, and, and they're like, Tim, are you crazy? Tim, you've only been in that church for two years, and they hardly even like you. I mean, like, now you tell them you want to take their kids to an AIDS camp in the Bahamas. I mean, these trips are led by youth pastors who have been there for 10 years and who are just admired. And I was like, no, I mean, like, like it's, you can't get AIDS just by going and, like, you know, building a cabin. Tim, it doesn't matter. And I remember this one particular day, like after I got back from, from, uh, from, from the conference and I, and I had, in, in my church office, I took, I emptied out like that bag that you get from, a, from an event and it's just like everywhere and like there's this candy and like there's all this other stuff and a million pens, you're set for pens for like the next year or two. And I started just like kind of like organizing all the different piles and, and I was just motivated because I was just overwhelmed by all the material that I'd collected. I was just throwing things out left and right, left and right. If, if I didn't love it, I was throwing it out type of a thing. And I picked up that brochure from Next Step Ministries that, that talked about the, the AIDS camp. And I just kind of left it like, as, like in one of the peripheral piles, like plan C or plan D, you know, type of a thing. And I didn't know what we were, well, I, and I started mentioning it to people. Like, so here's option A, here's this, oh, and here's this other thing that I'm kind of intrigued about. And there's this one man in my church that like, when I want like the like, like legit advice, when I, when I, and I, I kind of have to gear up to talk to him. He's kind of one of those guys. I was like, what do you think of this? 
And usually he's the guy that says, well, what is God telling you to do, Tim? So like, I, had to be sure, like, I, I had to get ready for that, right? He said this, and I quote, I just, I just want to get it right. Well, well, that's, um, yeah, let's keep thinking. <laughs> Eight months later, this picture was taken. That's us, that, that's, that's, that's my youth group and, and a couple of uh, the Next Step staff and, and my youth leaders um, at the camp, at the, at the All Saints AIDS camp. What happened between that conversation and, and this picture? I mean, there, were, there was a lot of prayers going out. We, Lord, we want to serve. We just don't know how or where God show us. They needed a lot of construction help. My students and I were better at leading VBS and sports camps. They told us they needed plumbers and electricians and carpenters. And all my friends who had those skills were already tied up and they were unavailable to join our trip. Oh, and I'm the guy who takes three hours to build an Ikea bookshelf. <laughs> Clearly, we were a fit. We were like the appendix you know, of, you know, of, this, of this mission, right? I sent out letters to the families, of, and the, and the students and, and the families, and, and one of the lines that, that, that I, I had in that letter was, let, let us experience what God will undoubtedly show us as we serve the least of these. And by then I was on the phone with that guy, Nick, um, that I had met in Pittsburgh, and he was, he was telling us like, we hardly have any churches that are gonna do this. Jersey, if you can come through for us, you'd be like one, like one of like four groups that, that are gonna be here this summer. And I sent these letters out, and there was this woman that I really respected in our church, and she called me immediately. And, and she's very nice, and I got along really well with her, but often when I get a phone call in the middle of the day from her, it was to, from, you know, she, she had a concern that she wanted to share. So I always picked up this phone, like with a little bit of, you know, intimidation and trepidation type of a thing. Well-respected, awesome in every way. And she said, Tim, I got your letter. Uh, you know, I work in pharmaceuticals, and I actually have a PhD in it. And I'm already on the phone, my brain's already going, oh no, I'm a fool. She's gonna tell, she's gonna lecture me on, on. she's like, no, um, my, my division actually specializes in retroviral drugs for HIV and AIDS. This is amazing. I'm so glad that you're doing this. My two high school age children are excited about going. God bless you. I just had to tell you this. I was literally tearing up as she was saying this to me. And I feel it, I feel it even now. And I asked her on the phone, Veronica, would you be willing to be at our parents' info night to field questions from concerned parents concerning HIV and AIDS? I would love to, she said. That was like one of the other miracles of, of, of this thing. Now there's an entire up and down to this as it relates to serving. And like every mission trip that you go on, how, how many of you have been on a mission trip? All right, bless you. Like every mission trip that you go on, there's this realization by the end of the second day that this is not what you thought it was going to be. <laughs> I mean, like you're hurting. You know, if you're a leader of the trip, you're thinking to yourself, oh my goodness, I did not prepare enough. I didn't prepare my group enough. The, the hosting organization isn't as prepared as I thought that, that they would be. Uh, oh my goodness, this is just, you know. And no matter what mission trip I've, I've been on, whether it's in New Orleans, uh, whether I, I actually went on a mission trip to an island off the coast of the country of Estonia, one of the Baltic states, like 100 miles from St. Petersburg, right? The Bahamas, whatever. I have this tradition. Almost every Wednesday morning, I wake up before my alarm in pain, back hurting, hands, you know, cuts all over the place. 
And I'm like, why is this trip so bad this year? <laughs> my students are hurt or sick or injured. My youth leaders are worn out. Somebody's mad at something. A bunch of people are mad at something. And, and they probably don't have a good breakfast, you know, ready to go this morning, right? And I drag myself out of bed. And I literally think this thought almost every, every is, it always happens on a Wednesday. Like I, I have the journals to prove this, um, where, where I think to myself, we're, we're not going to be the group that comes back and says all the great stories that happened this week. And that feels, that feels true in the moment and it, and it feels shallow in, in other ways too. But it's like, why are we here? Oh, what happened? How did we mess this up? That's called the trip low, the trip low. And it's often where God shows us what he's about to do. A little bit more about this camp. This camp smelled awful. This, it was the constant smell of sewage and heat. The view from one side of the camp overlooked a cemetery. You would have no idea that 10 miles away from the All Saints AIDS camp stood that beautiful Atlantis resort in the Bahamas. Many of the residents had been abandoned by their families, which, which was a, 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 an observation that many of our students picked up on very quickly. And their stories were a reflection of the space, abandoned and, and, and worn out. Many of, the, many of the residents struggled emotionally as well as physically. And a few of them served as spiritual lighthouses. We thought of the, the, there's one man that we loved so much. He, he was uh, restricted to a wheelchair, but he would sing hymns as we were outside working and mixing cement and painting. And he had the worst voice ever. I mean, it was a really bad singing hymn voice type of a thing. But he loved, he loved singing. He loved the Lord. He loved these songs. And, you know, the, the, the days, you know, I mean, you're, you're out there for a while. So these things kind of catch up to you after a while. But God bless him. There's this other lady named Miss, Miss Moxie. Miss Moxie, this, this woman, she, she, her, her body was frail and, and her, her Bible was probably even more frail. And she loved it when you, when you came in and she would, she would share some stories uh, you know, that, that she had from her life and, and then she would ask you for, for some stories too and, and, and to read scripture together. And I remember the impact that she had on, on some of our students. And I remember also, she had just passed away just a couple of years ago, how much my friends and I mourned her passing and we'd only spent a few weeks with her. I'm not kidding when I say this. Many of our students and many of them were academically driven thoughts about going to college and, and all their extracurriculars and their sports schedules, they, they will tell you that their lives changed dramatically serving at this place. Because often it's when God takes us out of our zip code to show us something, is that is how we get to learn how we get to serve right here at home. Often we have to leave home to figure out how we can serve better at home. We weren't qualified we were way in over our heads. We didn't know exactly what we were going to do or what we would be good at. Again, like, like this idea of the appendix. But we are so grateful that God led us there. In serving, there's all these ups and downs. There's always going to be all these ups and downs and turns and, and all these things that, 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 should, that should work out easier than they do, but they don't. But it is worth the cost of serving with each other. It is worth the cost of serving as a body it is worth the cost of participating and contributing. And that's our big idea for tonight. We learned this firsthand. As a body of believers, God has called us to serve his kingdom and, and the other with our gifts, passion, and energy. 
As a body of believers, God has called us to serve his kingdom and the other with our gifts, passion, and energy. What does that mean for us tonight? A few things. There is still room to join a cross-cultural learning experience trip. You can learn more about that on the app or online. Um, I would love to encourage you to go on one of these trips. It is worth it. In the lobby today, there are all sorts of needs and opportunities throughout our church. Uh, you, you can see the signs kind of hanging from, uh, from, all, uh, from the ceiling um, all throughout the lobby. Uh, and there's people that you can talk to, like Pastor Dave and Priscilla, who is a key volunteer coordinator. Um, I'll be out there myself. But there's all different needs that you can help within the church and also beyond the church as well. Specifically to tonight, we could use your help here at night. Um, ushering and greeting and technology are always needs for us. Uh, we would love to make this place warmer. We would love to have, you know, more greeters welcoming people like, you know, earlier at the service. We, we are relying on, on some very awesome, faithful greeters, uh, but we would love to add to that number. Um, same thing with our ushers. And, and you could do like all this in one night. You could, you could show up like 15 minutes early, greet, usher, and then hang around afterwards and just kind of like, you know, be part of the community, help people with questions, connect with people. That is a legitimate, legitimate need. Uh, we would love for, to encourage you to do things that you're skilled at. Uh, we would encourage you to, to do things that you're not maybe skilled at, um, but, but, but maybe you, you want to try. And we are grateful for all the people who do things that they are way overqualified for. On our coffee team, we literally have three people with doctorate degrees. No joke. And, and those who don't have doctorate degrees, um, they are some really skilled and brilliant baristas that, that you'll ever find here you know, in the Lexington area. If you have other ideas of what you think, you, how you can participate at night, know that we would love to hear that too. I, I am specifically praying for a hospitality manager, somebody who can kind of run like the back end and in, in, in the lobby um, while, while some of us are, are up here doing you know, this, this sort of thing. Um, and if that's you, I would love to connect with you. And if you have other ideas, we would love to connect with that. And for those of you who are, who are serving at capacity, God bless you. And, and like you, you think you have like, you know, one Wednesday a month that you could, like you could give. That's okay. Don't keep, keep that one Wednesday a month that you currently have. Help us in the recruitment. Help us find more people like you, okay? That, 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 that would be the ask of you. So, 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 you know, if you're part of that 20% who's doing like the 80% of the work type of a thing, be released from that. Also, we, we want to encourage you just to, to learn more about what it means to be shaped for service. Uh, this week in our Mizizi book, um, you'd be skipping chapter seven because chapter seven is the money chapter and we spent a whole month talking about money uh, back in January. We do think it's a pretty good, pretty good chapter. So maybe after, Mizizi, after um, you're, you're done, you know, go back to chapter seven and, and read it. We think it's pretty good. Um, but we're, we're going to be skipping to chapter eight and it's called Shape for Service. And at the end of that week's reading, there is a spiritual gift inventory test as part of the appendix of that chapter. And we encourage you to fill that out, even if you've already taken the spiritual gift inventory test. I'm one of these people who has taken like 50 of them. Um, and and I, 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 I'm now just taking them every, every chance I get because I, I just, I just want to work on my self-awareness and just kind of see how these things kind of, kind of change. And, and it's just, just, it's just a little bit of a window to your life. Uh, this morning, um, Pastor Brian um, and he, he gave it to the, the congregation pretty strong. He said, before you take that spiritual gift inventory test, please read all five, all, all five readings this week, okay? Don't just skip to the inventory test. Read it so you understand the context of, of what it means. And then he said, you have gifts to serve the church. You're not God's gift to the church. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I, I like that. And I'm gonna and just make sure. I just want to make sure that Brian said that. I'm not saying that. Okay. I love that guy. Hey, we want to encourage you to to find ways to serve beyond the church walls as well, right where your life is, at work, at home, wherever it is that you find yourself. Uh, Just this week, I volunteered to to be a baseball coach for for one of my son's teams, uh, which makes a lot of sense because I I grew up playing tennis. Um, But, you know, like, I I like talking to people, and and I'm probably not going to be that good of of, of a manager, but hey, um, I really hope to connect with families, and, and I hope we win some ball games too. But find ways to serve beyond the church because we really are a sense people. In conclusion, if you remember my friend that I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon, Aaron. Aaron, who said you know, he felt like the appendix after he, he, had, he had been dismissed from that ministry experience, he ended up shifting careers in, in what he calls uh, wealth management for normal, unwealthy people. And, and he says to me recently, he says, I might be doing more ministry right now than I was before. I get to sit down, I get to talk to people about their dreams and about their families and about their lives and about what, what's happening and, 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 and the things that are you know, kind of messed up in their lives. He's like, I've, I've never had that type of access before and I've never felt more fulfilled in, in serving. I don't know what part of the body you feel you are and I don't know what the part of the body that is for Aaron, but man, he is serving. And may you too, may you as well. Again, our, our key idea tonight is that God has called us to serve the kingdom and the other, with our gifts, passion, and energy. I know that many of us here tonight, we, we want to make a difference in the world around us. We, we want to serve people that we're close to. We want to serve our families. We want to serve our neighbors, our friends. And we also want to serve those people who need help, especially in these trying times, the marginalized and the least of these, the hurting. We want to take Jesus to people. And we, get, we, we do that most effectively when we function as a body. So friends, as we continue this Lent, as we continue to prepare our hearts for the Easter story, let's be intentional about discovering or maybe rediscovering what our spiritual gifting is and how we can serve in the body of Christ together. Will you pray with me? Father, we do come to you thankful for, for the truth of your scriptures. And we thank, we thank you, Lord, for, for the power of of what Paul is telling us here to be part of the body and that we are needed and that we are different and that we have to rejoice with each other. Help us, Lord, to to grow into that. Help us, Lord, to take the steps of faith that, that we need to take in order that we might serve you and that we might also serve other people. Work in our hearts, Lord. We, we invite you to do that. And we ask, Lord, that you would empower us. Give us endurance for the difficult days And also, Lord, give us your blessing of joy as well. We are indeed grateful. It's in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen.